0: Join me to create a life and work that truly fit you, infused with meaning and magic. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Wellpreneur Podcast. This week I'm speaking with the Merrymaker sisters. And this week's interview, well actually it's a conversation because there's three of us on the phone, and it is joyful and bubbly and just merry. They're fantastic. We met each other at a conference in the Philippines, and I was just really caught up in their, like, infectious way of being. And what I love about them and their online business is that this enthusiasm and their personality, their authenticity, comes through in their website. So in this week's conversation, we're talking all about how they started their business on the side of their government jobs the first products they sold, how they got a book deal with Hay House and then turned it down, and so much more. So I hope you'll really enjoy this conversation. It's a lot of fun. Hello, Merry Maker Sisters. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having us, Amanda. We're so excited. This is so fun having like two in one, two people at (laughs) once. I know. Everyone always says that. They're
1: like, like
0: first one with two people
1: and we may talk over each other so sorry in advance
0: yeah I was gonna wonder like how do you do interviews when like do you like have hand signals you point at each other
1: like- <laughs> we kind of have this look that we like look over and then we'll like nod or like I'll point at Emma I'm like you do this one <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't like that at the start though so it took some time
0: to sort of like get that down pat Awesome. Well, we'll see how we go. I'm sure you're experts now. So (laughs) so we actually met last, well, earlier this year in the Philippines Mm -hmm. at Tropical Think Tank. And when I met you two, you're just like, as everyone says, like bursting with energy and so positive. And you're so very much Wellpreneurs. I just knew I had to have you on the show. So I'm so glad we could make it work.
1: Oh, well, we're super grateful to be on the
0: show. So thanks for having us. So let's start off by just telling people who may not know who you are, like a little bit about you and your business. Mm
1: Yeah. Well, it is called the Merry Maker Sisters and we're real life sisters. And basically the mission of the Merrymaker Sisters is to have anybody who comes across us, whether it be our website, our books, our podcast, whatever it might be, where they find us to leave with an action step to lead a healthier, happier, more epic life. So basically we have a bunch of recipes, lots of mindset advice and ways to find and follow your passion. Awesome. And how long have you been doing this? The website started in February 2013 and then we started doing it full-time in July 2014. So we were kind of like doing it alongside as a side hustle when we did had our full-time government jobs and then it just came to the point where I was like, oh my gosh, these soul-sucking jobs suck so bad and Merrymakers bring so much joy to our lives that we just had to, you know, take that leap of faith the jobs and invest in merrymakers 100%. Yeah, because the story began back in 2012 when Emma discovered she had a gluten intolerance and that was how this all started in that we just started making recipes that were gluten free and grain free and dairy free and started sharing it on Instagram, on my personal Instagram in fact, and people just started asking us questions and we were like, oh, people are really interested in this. This is cool. Like we're really interested in it too. We want to share everything we're learning. So that's when we Googled how to start a blog and then started the Merrymaker Sisters. And ever since that day forth, like we've just had so much fun every single day creating and sharing our journey as well as helping people along the way. And I think through, you know, those very early year, like that early first year, when it just started with food and movement, we kind of were like, this is what makes you healthy and happy, food and movement. And if you have those two, like you'll be fine. But then we realize that it has so much more to do with like relationships, your mindset, the stuff you do every single day, like your bliss or your passion or your dream, whatever that might be. And so if you can find a way to balance food, movement, career, relationships, spirituality, then that's when you find true health and happiness. So that's
0: why the Merry Maker Sisters, you know, it started with food, but now it kind of captures everything. And you've just come out with a book, right? And we'll dive into that more later, but that's super exciting.
1: Yeah, yeah. it is. It's our second book we're, and we're so proud of this one.
0: <laughs> awesome. And your Instagram, you've got like, what, 60,000 followers, something like that?
1: Yeah, something. I think it's about
0: 64 or five yeah. or so. I
1: mean, like we, we don't get stuck on the numbers. I know it's like an important part of every business and... Like that's where we started. Like Instagram was where our business started. That's what led us to actually create this Merrymaker thing that we're doing. So we're so grateful for it. But we also know that, you know, looking at those numbers and like getting stuck on the, the amount of likes you get on every picture can really distract you from why you're doing this thing in the first place. So it's a fun place to engage with our audience and like see what people want. And we love it, but we don't get too stuck on it. Yeah. I think Peter Shankman said to us, yeah. stop chasing likes and do more likable stuff. I think he actually said that at Tropical Think yeah. Tank. And that was like, oh my gosh, yes. Like, cause mm. we totally believe in that. It's just about like putting out stuff that people actually want, need, mm. and it's solving a problem. And then, you know, you're good to go. You don't even, you don't need thousands of followers to create an amazing business. I know lots of amazing businesses who have like, maybe not even, they're not even on all social media, but they're still like creating these amazing businesses.
0: Yeah. I think people get really caught into following like what I call Mm. vanity metrics, like being obsessed with it. So like how many website views did you get or how many likes do you have on Facebook? And actually that doesn't, like you said, it doesn't always translate into having a more successful business.
1: Yeah. Unless you're working with, you know, Unless brand work is a really big part of your business income strategy. Like, of course, the more readers you get, like the more, I guess, attractive you look to a brand, of course. But if that's not a big income stream, then it's really not something
0: to worry about. Awesome. I love it. Okay. So take me back. I love like how businesses started and because Mm. I think a lot of people out there listening will will be at a point where they're ready to make the leap or they're mm-hmm. thinking about doing it. So when you were first starting your blog, so you said you started it just as a place to share what you were learning mm-hmm. about gluten-free mm-hmm. recipes. Did you plan it to be a business? Like, did you know what it would turn into?
1: I mean, when we first started it, we were like, oh my gosh, this is the coolest thing ever. Like we are on the internet. We still like that. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, yes. But I mean, it was probably like a couple months when we were just like, yes, this is it. We found the thing because we always knew, like we continually spoke about like growing up together. We always made little businesses together, like even when we were like five and and eight or whatever ages we were. So we always had this feeling that we were going to create a business, something epic together. And when we did start the Merrymaker Sisters, it was like, okay, I'm pretty sure we have found it. So three months in, we'd set up. ABN, everything we need, all those taxi businessy stuff. And we were like, yep, let's go. Let's start making money. And we set the goal to quit our jobs at the end of 2014. So, you know, it was a manageable task. But as I said before, we got to midway through 2014 and was like, "Nope, we can't hack these other jobs anymore. We've just got to put it all in there. We were in great situations in our life where like we didn't have boyfriends and no kids. So we could put a lot of energy into the business. But, yeah, we knew very early on that it was going to be business. It was never set up properly. And, I mean, like it only really we're still going through that process, aren't we? Like we're learning as we go because we didn't know anything about business and it just shows that, like, you know what, sometimes you don't need to know everything. Just do it. Just try it and learn as you go. Yeah. Action. That's, like, the thing thing that has gotten us to where we we are today. It's just, like, small step after small step. And as you learn things, implementing them, like, because I think, you know, we all can learn so much, but if we don't actually take action on the things we Mm. learn, then nothing changes.
0: Totally. Absolutely right. I think that differentiates people that are successful, really, that that really make something out of their business versus people that just sit there and think about it. It's like, you don't need to have it all figured out. You just need to start taking steps, like the next step, do the next thing and then do the next thing. And it becomes clear over time. Totally. So true. So what's the first thing you sold? Yeah. Well, we
1: actually, the first thing, so I have a background in PR and public relations. So I was always quite aware of how brands love to work with other companies or other people who have a big influence. So as we started to gain traction and more followers, I was like, Hey, like we should work with brands that are like-minded and they can pay us. So our first Place where we made money was working with a small personal training company in our hometown of Canberra, and they just wanted us to review like their summer boot camp. Actually, it was winter boot camp for the summer, and they paid us a hundred dollars to write a blog post. Yeah. <laughs> but the first product we made was an ebook. And the reason we decided to do an ebook was because we saw other people doing ebooks, and people wanted more recipes. And we're like, "Well, let's make an ebook with exclusive recipes." And it went gangbusters. I think we sold like three when we put it live. We put one email out to our list, and it sold like three hundred copies. We were like, "What?" Like, and that was our following was not big. big. Like that was a lot. Like for the first year of business, where we no, it was less than a year. It would have been eight months into it.
0: Yeah, that's great. Well, I think part of the the reason that probably worked is cuz you were you already had built an audience even though it wasn't mm-hmm. huge and you kind of knew what they wanted, right? What they were asking mm-hmm. for. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. It's so important to like, you know, stay in tune with your audience and like just notice what they're saying, what they're liking, what they're reacting to, what's like getting their attention and then like listening to that Mm. is only going to lead you in a good direction. We always say we went like about our business, like back to front, because we started with content and we started just by giving out free stuff to our audience. And then when we heard the term content marketing, and that was actually the first tropical think tank from Dan Norris, he said, oh, like content marketing, blah, blah, blah. And we're like, oh, we do content marketing. We just, don't have anything to market. So, like that was the funniest thing because
0: we hadn't even realized we were doing that. So what was the turning point for you guys? Because you'd mentioned like at first you just had no idea what you were doing. Mm-hmm. And then at some point you actually started to think of it as a business.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we kind of thought about it as a business earlier on, but the real turning point for us within our business was that first ever tropical think tank we went to. In 2015. In Dean. T- 2015. So only last year. Yeah. So it'd been like almost a year since we quit our jobs, or maybe like six Six months months since we quit our jobs, and like we're properly, you know, looking at at it as like, okay, we actually need to like turn this into a business to feed ourselves and to pay our bills. And that event just blew our minds because we learned so much. We'll never, ever, ever be in the same position again because we just learned everything about online business. Like we didn't even know what landing pages were. We didn't know what a sales funnel was. We didn't know what content marketing was. So it was like a billion different things where we were just like info overload, meeting these amazing people, making big dollars online, which we didn't even know was possible. You know, these small lifestyle businesses, multi-million dollar businesses being like, oh, like we could do that if we really wanted to, if we wanted to. And like, put everything we learned into action, we can create whatever we want. It's amazing. I love that. (laughs) Like,
0: it's it's so true that sometimes you don't even realize what the possibilities are. Oh, I know. And then you see them and you're like, oh, that's possible for me too. Yeah. That's such the value of just getting like getting away from your computer and actually Mm -hmm. getting out and meeting real people. (laughs)
1: 100%. There's so much value to -to face-to-face connection. Like we have built the best relationships probably from those two times we've been at that event. And same with like pro blogger event. We always talk about live events and how awesome they are.
0: I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about your book that's just come out because when I saw you in May or when was it in March, when we saw each other, you had a deal with Hay House. Yeah, but you, but but that's changed. (laughs) So tell us about that.
1: I mean, we first self-published a hardcover book last year and we learned a lot and that was a recipe book. So lots of learnings. Then earlier this year, we got offered a Hay House book deal to do a written book.
0: Can we? Can I just say, like, for lots of people <laughs> listening, it will be like, "Oh my God, Hay House book deal!" Like, because that's so yeah. yeah. published oh, in the health and wellness. For us, world. Like, that's yeah, for us.
1: it was on our like dream. Like, it was like get published by Hay House. It wasn't even get published. It was get published by, by Hay, House. Hay House. And you know what? Like, you know what, Amanda, it's still on our dream list. It's still there but it just was bad timing. Like, you know, when you just know something isn't quite right. Mm -hmm. And we were just like, we don't want to write this book yet. So we shouldn't be signing this contract if we don't want to write this book, because you know what, it's not going to be a good book. We're not going to write a good piece of content and it's probably not going to go well. So we, I mean, we're still on good terms with them. We still have a relationship with them, but it just wasn't the right timing, but it most probably will be the right timing later. And That's why we decided to go down the path like, okay, we're going to self-publish this book, but I don't even know if we are even going to create that book anymore that we were talking about. Maybe we'll do that later. So we actually worked on another recipe book. So it's a completely different book, but we are self-publishing that now. And I mean, we just had pre-launches last week and it was super successful, super proud of it. We're so pumped about this book because we learned so much from the first time, learned all the mistakes how to make this one a whole lot better so we're just like I don't know it's like full with positive vibes this book <laughs> yeah whereas like our first hard copy book like there were so many issues and we were like oh so disappointed but now it's like just this been this really flowing project and it's like oh this is how it's supposed to feel but yeah that it's interesting I think the biggest learning from like saying no to the Hay House deal is like you've got to just like tune into those feelings if you feel like something is up and something is funny about like a potential opportunity, even if it is on your dream board and Mm -hmm. has been your dream ever since you started, like sometimes like it's just not right. And it was such a big thing saying no to that deal. Like it was like we, but we knew we are doing the right thing. Like once we sent the email, once we chatted to the director here in Australia, we were like, oh yeah, we made the right decision. And he was so sweet. He like wrote back and said how proud he was of us. Like, so it was a really interesting process.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to ask you that. Like, how, when you have hard decisions like that, mm-hmm. how do you make them? Like, what is, to, oh, yeah. how do you know to, how can you trust yourself to do that? Or, like, how do you, you know? We
1: honestly believe that, like, they're, like, you always make and I'm putting like in inverted commas, there's no right decision, but it's always the perfect decision because no matter what you do, you're not going to know what the Mm. other decision was going to be anyway. So there's no point in looking Mm. back and feeling anxious or like, oh, I made the wrong decision and Mm. like annoyed at yourself because you can't go back and change that. So we just have to own it. Like I, we always say this, own your decisions, whether it be with food or whether it be with a business decision or anything you yourself, because you can't go back and change that. So we just have to own it. Like I, we always say this, own your decisions, whether it be with food or whether it be with a business decision or anything, you just have to own it and truly believe that you are, that everything is going to turn out right in the end. Yeah. And you know what, like it might seem like a bad decision and like bad stuff might happen, but it's just only leading you to the next good thing, the next yes, the next amazing opportunity. I mean, like we all go through bad stuff like there's No one lives this amazing, perfect life in business where, you know, money just flows to you all the time. I mean, like there might be, they might say that, but they probably just don't tell you about all the bad stuff that happens. Bad stuff happens. But if we just stay on track, stay positive positive stay with that silver lining attitude. Like the next good thing will come your way. Yeah. Well, it's always, it's that whole life. When you look back, the dots connect. Yeah. Yeah. How do you decide what you want? We really talk about everything. And I think when we find that we've talked about things more than once, more than twice, mm-hmm. more than three times, more than four times, we know we really want it. And that's when we start putting it out as a goal. Mm-hmm. Like we are like, We have a Trello board where it's marked out our entire year's plan of the things we want for our business, and then we will like break that down again into monthly goals, break that down again into weekly goals. I'll then delegate into daily tasks. Like that's how we work out what we want. I think it's just like looking at like what is it that we want to put out into the world? How do we want to help people? Is it through food? Is it through mindset? Is it through physical inspiring products? And we just kind of like allow ourselves to think big because that's when like you do come up with these new ideas and maybe what you wanted six months ago has changed and that's okay too. I think it's okay to change what you want in your business and your life. I mean, I'm talking about business here. I don't know if the question was about if you want, like, what do you want in your life? But I was talking more about business then. Do you have anything to add, Em? No, I think you covered it pretty well. And I just want to definitely emphasize that it's okay to change your mind. Like you might have this big dream, this big goal. And then all of a sudden it might be like, actually, this isn't right anymore. And it's okay to change dreams. It's okay to change goals. Just like make sure you like find some time to like say goodbye to that dream because you know, you get so invested in these massive dreams, these massive like, you know, visions for your life or your business. And sometimes we forget to sort of be like, okay, I'm saying goodbye to that, like grieve it for a little while. And then move on to like the next exciting thing. And of course, enjoying the whole process as you go, because, you know, like most of you all know that the the time we have is now, like that's the only time we have. So there's no point in just like living in the future, living in those wants and desires, just enjoying every moment as it comes.
0: I'm so glad you said that about, you know, it being okay to change your goals, because I think, you know, we can get so fixated on something that we want. And then at some point it just, it's like it You just it doesn't have that energy anymore. Yeah. You know? And you can still be working towards it, but it doesn't light you up <laughs> in the same way. And it's like maybe I've found maybe it's the pursuit, like where you've gotten to so far with that goal. Maybe that's what you needed out of it. Maybe you yeah. didn't actually oh, need to get so all the true. way. Like you've taken that process to get to where you are now. You've gotten the juice that you needed from mm. it. And it's okay exactly. to then shift onto the next thing.
1: Yeah. I think so many people like freak out that like, oh, I can't do that because that's different. And I said, I was going to yeah. do this. Even like pro if you say to your audience, oh, I'm going to do this. And then you decide not to anymore. That's okay. Like no one is going to care as much as you do about it. Like, so if you just look and let it go, then that's, that's all that really matters. It's such an interesting space though, the whole like setting goals and then realizing you don't want that anymore and being like, oh, what am I going to do now? So yeah, yeah. It's a very. I, cool w- topic. I wanted to ask that, and
0: I kept that question really intentionally vague because what I see a lot with my clients is people will say, like, when they're just starting a business, I'll say, "Well, what do you want? Like, throw the dream out for me. Like, show me mm. where we're going." And people will say, "Well, I just want to do something to make enough money so I don't have to have another job." And like, mm. which is true. Like, I get that. Yes, but in my mind, that's like a byproduct of mm-hmm. yeah. where you're going. Like that can't just be, that's not a goal in and of itself. It's definitely not. And it is, it's funny when you're in
1: your business and you're making quite a lot of money at some stage, and then you might not be making a lot of money at another stage. And it's like, well, I actually don't feel all that different. Like money is important, but we all know it doesn't bring us joy and happiness. So it's really important to like align a business, the goal, the vision, with something that is just like, you know, it sits in your heart. Like you're doing it for fulfillment. You're doing it because you want to make an impact, a positive impact on the world or people. So like that's really, like that's what we want. Like we want to, we make our decisions with the goal, with with this in mind to help people, to serve people. And then the money is the byproduct because you're creating these amazing products to help people and they buy them. So I think it's a funny thing. I think it's all of us in the wellness you know, that wellness side of business, we're, we're the lucky ones because we already know this. Like we know that money isn't, shouldn't be our overall goal because we know that won't bring us true happiness. Yeah. And we also, we always say like how lucky that we're in the wellness space because we know that we will never burn out because we can so be aware. Well, we, I mean, we can, but like, we're so much more aware of like our bodies and like how we're feeling. And usually we
0: listen to that and stop when it's necessary. Ooh, let's talk about that a bit. Cause I love to ask this question. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. how do you actually keep walking your talk? Like, how do you yeah. integrate wellness into your whole life as growing mm-hmm. a business? Because you know, you say, Well, we know we'll never burn out. Actually, I don't know if that's true for everyone. Like mm-hmm. I think even working yeah. in wellness, even though we should, I don't like that word, but even though we should know to stop yeah. and listen to our bodies, we can get totally wrapped up and disconnected. Yeah.
1: We have a mantra, no burnout ever. And I think that's and, why we know that. And that, <laughs> and that is why. It's like if you make the conscious decision that you're never going to burn out, well, like that's front of mind. You're going to keep that in mind all the time. We don't work when we're tired or when we've been working too long because we know the work's going to be crap. We know that our best work comes when we're inspired, we're feeling creative, we're feeling energetic. So we make sure we do that. When we want to stop, we listen. Like it's just, I think it's just being in tune with yourself. Like that's how you manage to not burn out ever. And then making sure you bring in activities that you love doing. So, like it might be yoga, Pilates, that's what we love doing. Getting outside, talking, communicating with people, meeting new people, mm-hmm. like that's really fun. I think, um, it is funny though like when we first started we had this message to follow your bliss like we put this out to the world when we first started because we learned about it and we we're like yes we need to do that but we weren't following our bliss because we were still working in our government jobs and that there came a point where we were like oh it's like we're we're frauds we need to follow our bliss and it's kind of funny though because if you do have that mantra that mission it almost creates your business mm. for you. So it's like that's why we have that no burnout ever because we know if we keep that front of mind, we're never going to burn out. Yeah, and I think the g- going on from what Emma said, because I think another a question that people might have might be like, well, like I know you said like just stop working when you don't feel like working, but what if I don't have time? Like what if like I just need to get it done? And I think that's another huge thing, like stress about getting things done at a certain time something, it's something so many of us struggle with us as well. Like we, it still comes back in and something that really helped me was like, no matter what, the thing that I need to get done is going to get done. It's just whether I choose to do it in a stressed out way or a calm way. And I'm definitely going to choose calm over stressed because I know that stress just doesn't serve me at all. So I think that's something to keep in mind too, that even if, The blog post doesn't go out on the Monday when the other blog posts go out every Monday. Like, that's okay. Put it out on Tuesday.
0: (laughs) Oh, I love that. You can choose whether it's peaceful or calm. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I want to change gears again because I know your new book has like, lots of brand new recipes, right? Like 80 recipes?
1: Well, we added an extra 15, so 95 now. Oh my gosh.
0: (laughs) You guys are awesome. So, um, (laughs) and I know a lot of people out there listening, because this question comes up a lot. I know people are developing recipes for their blogs. We've got lots of like health coaches and nutritionists Mm -hmm. and just healthy food bloggers out there. So I wonder if you could talk a little bit about your recipe development process.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's such a fun process. Yeah. Well, I guess we have like two types of recipes that we do. We have ones for our blog, then we have ones for Merry Maker Club, which is our online membership, meal plan membership. But then we've actually turned those recipes into our hard copy book recipes as well. So for the blog, we share one new recipe each week and generally we'll, over a weekend, cook up something delicious and take a photo and it'll be like this really slow process. We'll like do it really calmly. It'll be fine. It'll just be me and Carla doing it. Carla's great at photography. But then for the club, that's like a whole different picture, ballpark yeah. or whatever the same. So, is. <laughs> because they're weekly meal plans, like we have to think about it like a lot more, like I guess strategically in that like, you know, you can't use dill and parsley and coriander and mint and all the different herbs because no one's gonna want to go and buy 10 different bunches of herbs in the week. So like when we're developing those week full of recipes, so there's 15 in every week, like we're really thinking about like what matches, okay, let's not do too much, let's have two chicken, let's have one beef, one lamb, two seafood sort of thing. So like we're really thinking about the ingredients, but like the main thing we do with our recipes is like that they have to be quick, easy and delish. So we really strip back the ingredients. Like we make sure there's not too many. We get our inspiration from Pinterest, from old recipe books, from our mum's old recipes. We'll think, okay, what's something that people absolutely love, but then let's turn it into a healthy version. So we do lots of things like spaghetti bolognese or chicken tetrazzini, like all recipes that you think, oh, that wouldn't be good for me. We try and make them healthy because We believe that like food should be tasty and also fun as well. And that's our recipes are all like that too. So I think, I mean, the process is that we will pretty much just like put the, we put the ingredients down first and then we'll write out the recipe first. And then when we're cooking it, we'll change it. Cause when we first started, we used to make the recipes and write it as we go. And that just didn't work very well. So if you, write the recipe first and have an idea of what you're going to do. And then if you make changes along the way, just have it open in a Google Doc or on your laptop and make the changes right there and there in the kitchen. Yeah. And, um, with our club recipes, we have, we actually hire a photographer for those ones and that just makes it a whole lot easier. And I mean, like we probably photograph like eight to 10 recipes in one day, I would say. And then Joe will finish off the rest, like in her own time. The really the, easy ones, yeah. like, like the smoothies, smoothies, smoothies and the chia puddings and yeah. things like that. So, but batching helps. Yeah. Batch, like we batch everything. I mean, like Wednesday is our podcast day. So we'll do all our interviews on the Wednesday. Then we'll have like a cooking day. Then we'll have like the photo day. So, I mean, it's amazing how much more you can get done when you batch
0: stuff. Oh, totally. So, I but I'm, I'm kind of like my jaw is on the floor. You do 16 recipes a week. Oh.
1: Oh no. no, oh gosh. Okay, so we do one per week for the vlog, and then for the club, they get a weekly meal plan every month.
0: Oh, right. Okay, yeah. so all
1: up, we do 20 recipes a month. Oh my Jeez. god,
0: because I was like, How are you doing 15 recipes a week? Yeah, Hell no, I no, I would like not. I'd be like,
1: um, I would hate it. I would many, be like, How many cheese. chia puddings can we make? Like, <laughs> how, how many, many smoothies? Like,
0: I would run out of ideas. I I'd need <laughs> more time. <laughs> okay cool that makes more sense so you're basically yeah I was because I've developed a few recipes back in the day with my food blog my um, natural beauty yeah. blog and like I just I couldn't even imagine so you're basically batching like once a month so you do you yeah. come up with the recipes then you like make them all you do one big mm-hmm. day of photo shooting and get it yeah. ready cool Exactly. so do you typically just work a month in advance
1: yeah um, um well for the meal plans yeah pretty much Then for the blog, we actually have been doing it like weekly, which that was a new thing. We used to do it like three months in advance, which was kind of amazing. But it also like it was like we were less likely to share it and be proud of it because it was so old. We kind of forgot about the joy that this meal brought to us. But say if we like make a delicious peanut butter split smoothie on a Sunday, then we post it on a Monday. It's like this smoothie was the best smoothie I've ever drunk and like we proudly promoted (laughs) across our channels and we found that it got you know more views and more traction Mm. because we were putting that happy energy into it
0: okay and this is so true I was just talking (laughs) with my um my assistant about this it's like if something's scheduled too far in advance Mm. yeah like I can post it so we've got this Facebook group with over a thousand wellpreneurs in it and if we post something that's scheduled. It gets so much less engagement than if I go on there and I'm like, yeah. hey, guys, even if I've written the update that's posted in advance. So there's some, like, crazy energy thing going on. I think you totally nailed it. Like, people can sense. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And not to mention, like with so like I'm gonna use that peanut butter split smoothie bowl as an example. We made it on the Sunday. We were Snapchatting about it. We were saying, oh my God, it's so yum. It's gonna be on the blog tomorrow. People got so excited about it. They're like, oh my gosh, it's gonna be on tomorrow. I'm gonna go check it out. Like they're gonna remember it. Whereas if we were making these recipes like three months in advance and being like, it's gonna be on the blog in three months, like keep an eye out like they're gonna be like oh, I'm not gonna hang around for that yeah oh my god <laughs> peanut
0: butter sm- split smoothie bowl I yes, totally love so- this what's in it I'm gonna have to link out to this recipe oh so my god
1: it. It is we actually got inspired from New York because it was like this amazing smoothie bar we found in New York and we're like we were drinking it like every day and it's like banana cacao vanilla coconut milk was that everything I think there was honey, honey. That one had like hemp milk, I think. Oh, but we used oh my gosh, milk. they use hemp milk and it was so good. Yeah, but yeah, it was just delicious. And we were like, we have to put this on the
0: blog. Oh, we love peanut butter in America. Everywhere, oh, yeah. I, everywhere I go I in the world, it. I've got my jar of peanut butter. I just love it it's like a childhood <laughs> pleasure. Mm. I like <laughs> eating it with just a spoon. Yum. Yeah, totally. <laughs> or you can dip a chocolate bar into it. Oh, <laughs> yum. stop it! Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Out Oh. So <laughs> this has been so great talking to you guys. I can't the time's just flown. Um can, I know. <laughs> can you tell everybody where they can find you? Tell us what your book is and your podcast and just how we can get in touch. Yes.
1: Well, everything is over at the Merrymakersisters.com. Our podcast is the Merry Biz Podcast. And our new book is called Get Merry. And all the info about that
0: is on the website. Amazing. And I'll link it all up in the show notes too. So everybody. Thank you so much for leave. having us. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Amanda. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the Wellpreneur podcast. As always, you can get all of the show notes on the blog at wellpreneuronline.com. So have a fantastic week, and I'll see you back here next week with the next episode.